Please turn to our scripture reading or our sermon reading in in Proverbs chapter 7. After having seen what Sister Wisdom has to offer in Proverbs 8 in the earlier reading, listen here to Solomon's plea to pursue wisdom, which should take you back to Proverbs 8. And while we're doing it, assume it's a real story seen and written down by a wise king to teach his son, among others, and how he could know what the harlot was saying, you may wonder. All I can say is in verse 11, it says she was loud. Chapter 7, my son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding your nearest kin that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple, I perceived among the youth, a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner. And he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening and the black and dark night. And there a woman met him. With the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart, she was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face. And I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. And he has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost his life. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Let's pray. Father, thy word is indeed a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. Please illuminate for us today. Thank you. Amen. Matthew Henry says, it is supposed to be a parable or imagined case, but I doubt it was too true. And which is worse, 
that notwithstanding the warning it gives of the fatal consequences of such wicked courses, it is still too often too true. And the agents for hell are still playing the same day and the same game today and with similar success. The author of Proverbs 7 and 8 was Solomon. Who was he? Let's turn to 1 Kings 3, 5 through 14. First Kings three, five through 14. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him. And you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, and under, to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked with riches and honor so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes My commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Well, that uh, that last verse there is a cue, a portent to how Solomon's life would end. But before that, we will look at that later. Turn to first Kings four, twenty nine through thirty four, and we see the fruits of the Lord's hand on Solomon, a wise king. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, the Ezraite, and Heman, Chalcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahol. And his fame was in all the surrounding nations, He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Also, he spoke of trees, from the cedar tree of Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, of birds, of creeping things, and of fish, and men of all nations, from all the kings of the earth, who had heard of his wisdom, came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. 
Solomon used this wisdom in studying nature, in studying men, sending out ships to India and Africa, also on the overland trade routes. But it was this very trade with pagan cultures, and Solomon's sin particularly, that would be his downfall. But for now, let's treat him as the wise king that he was, and the kind and good father he was. And so I have entitled the sermon, A Wise King's Perspective. Let's go back to Proverbs 7. Verses 1 through 5, we see uh, his speech addressed to his son. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live. And my law is the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. A caution to the fathers. Do not be so involved in making a living for your family's physical support that you neglect their spiritual support. And do not so love money to work after luxuries to the detriment of your family. But don't roll your eyes at Solomon, he of 700 wives and 300 concubines, and say he has nothing to offer you. This one time he was right, which is one less time that he was wrong. Do not despise the day of small things. And do not think your past neglect of your family portends your future. For God has given us all the tools we need to reconcile with those we have wronged, even our own families. A heart of flesh and not a heart of stone. A tongue to confess our wrongs. He offers us wisdom and understanding for how to do right. And we have another helper, the Holy Spirit. We see his instruction to his son. To keep the law of God is very word close to the heart, which is wisdom. The Bible speaks of itself in Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And of course, it is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And where else would we look for light but to the word, for wisdom and understanding? Would we look to the world? Consider Matthew Henry. Solomon here, to enforce the caution he had given against the sin of whoredom, tells a story of a young man that was ruined to all intents and purposes by the enticements of an adulterous woman. Such a story as this would serve the lewd, profane poets of our age, and this is him writing hundreds of years ago, to make a play of, and the harlot with them would be a heroine. Nothing would be so entertaining to the audience nor give them so much diversion as her arts of beguiling the young gentleman and drawing in the country squire. Her conquest would be celebrated as the triumphs of wit and love, 
and the comedy would conclude very pleasantly, and every young man that saw it acted would covet to be so picked up. Thus, fools make a mock at sin. But Solomon here relates it, and all wise and good men read it as a very melancholy story. Verse 6. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice. A lattice being, I know these are, uh, we have conflicting opinions about the lattices and the curtains and all of that in the church. Something like that, he looked through. A crisscrossed barrier, a separation. So we have Solomon seeing, but not participating. Yet seeing and understanding, plain as day, even in the dark of night. Because Solomon learned in a very hard school, you see someone else stood in his palace on the rooftop looking down at his royal subject, the wife of another man, Solomon's own father, David, looking down from his rooftop at Bathsheba, sending for her, sinning with her, dishonestly trying to cover it up, and then murdering her husband, And marrying her. Now let the word do it justice. Second Samuel eleven. One through five. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity. And she returned to her house, and the woman conceived. And so she sent and told David and said, I am with child, a child that Solomon would not grow old with as a brother as the Lord took him. At the time when kings go to battle, David was idle, just as this young man walking the streets And in the dark of night, he arose from his bed and walked on the roof. Be cautious in arising at night. What good can come of it? I've titled the sermon A Wise King's Perspective, but the wise king sees all, even in the dark of night. Proverbs 5.21, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. Solomon, the son of David, teaching his own son the lessons of his grandfather, can be seen in Proverbs 4, 1 through 7. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words, keep my commands, and live. Get wisdom, 
forget understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. The children can only be encouraged to talk with their fathers, to be honest and open about their struggles. And I would encourage all the children in that. You're not going to break a a father's heart. You're going to gladden a heart. Verse 7. And saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths, a young man devoid of understanding. Your hours of your youth are your best times, the times with the most energy, the time with the sharpest mind. So now is the time to flee from sexual sin. Verse 8, passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house, passing along lazily, maybe without expectation, but probably not because he knows it's her corner where she lives, and he took the path to her house. Later on, we hear he immediately turned. Verse 9. In the twilight in the evening, in the black and dark night. Another clue that he was up to no good. Matthew Henry reads, He was sauntering and had nothing to do, but passed through the street as one that knew not how to dispose of himself. One of the sins of filthy Sodom was abundance of idleness. Ezekiel 16:49. He was a night walker that hated and scorned the business that is to be done by daylight, from which the evening calls men into their repose. And having fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, he begins to move in the twilight in the evening. Perhaps he did not know it was the way to an infamous house, but however, it was a way that he had no business in. And when we have nothing to do, the devil will quickly find us something to do. We must take heed not only of idle days, but of idle evenings, lest they prove endless to temptation. I can only add, do not be idle, rather be about the Lord's work. So that we can say along with Christ, why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's work? Proverbs 18:9 tells us whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Proverbs 16:3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And also do not seek out the darkness. John 3:19 through 21 Reads, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. In verse 10, we read, And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. Henry Van Til said, Culture is religion externalized. 
be careful how you mimic the world in your dress. But understand that modesty is not primarily an issue of clothing, but of the heart. And there she was, come out to meet him, like an enemy stalking us. In 1 Peter 5.8 we read, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And her craftiness, it refers to, is in her deceit. Jesus told the Pharisees in John 8, You are of your father the devil. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. In verses 11 through 12, we read, She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. We see her opportunistic, waiting as if in ambush as a hunter. Contrast that with the virtuous wife of Proverbs 31. Her husband safely trusts her. Strength and honor are her clothing. She does not eat the bread of idleness. Her work praises her in the gates of the city, not sneaking around at night. Verse 13. So she caught him and kissed him with an impudent face. She said to him. So she caught and kissed him. I would suggest it's not so much the catching him, but his being entrapped in his own folly in the dark of night. In the criminal justice system, I often hear a client say, I caught a charge five years ago. And it always draws me up to think, you mean you caught it like you, you caught a cold? There's some responsibility there. And this young man was completely responsible. Read verse 14. I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. We've been learning just now in Leviticus, as Pastor Sharp preaches to us, both in Leviticus 3 and coming up in Leviticus 7, about the peace offerings, about how the, the remainder was to be taken home and consumed that evening or perhaps into the next day. Matthew Henry writes, She had been today at the temple and was well respected there as any that worshipped in the courts of the Lord. She had paid her vows and, as she thought, made all even with God Almighty and therefore might venture upon a new score of sin. Note, the external performances of religion, if the external performances of religion, if they do not harden men against sin, harden them in it and embolden carnal hearts to venture Upon it, in hopes that when they come to count and discount with God, he will be found as much in debt to them for their peace offerings and their vows as they to him for their sins. Verse 15 reads. So I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face and I have found you. Imagine the flattery. The young man felt. 
pornography and all sexual sin is rooted in self-flattery. Romans 1, serving the creature rather than the creator. C.S. Lewis wrote, and I will substitute the word sexual sin. For me, the real evil of sexual sin would be that it takes an appetite, which in lawful use leads the individual out of himself to complete his own personality in that of another in the marital relationship and turns it back, sends the man back into the prison of himself, there to keep a harem of imaginary brides. And this harem, once admitted, works against his ever getting out and really uniting with a real woman. For the harem is always accessible, always subservient, calls for no sacrifices or adjustments, and can be endowed with erotic and psychological attractions which no real woman can rival. Among those shadowy brides, he is always adored, always the perfect love. No demand is made on his unselfishness. No mortification ever imposed on his vanity. In the end, they become merely the medium through which he increasingly adores himself. Verses 16 through 18. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. Three verses, only two things to say. Of course, the bed sheets were from Egypt. Isaiah 22:13. It seems they are eating and drinking knowing that tomorrow we die. Verses 19 through 20. For my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. The young man should have been waiting, as we should, for the Messiah. Remember Thessalonians 5, 1 through 5. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Verses 21 through 23. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her, as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Till an arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost his life. Children, 1 Corinthians six eighteen through 20 tells us to flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. 
Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He turns back to address the children. Both his own son. And us. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Just a chapter back. Verses 26 to 28 of chapter 6. Solomon said, For by means of a harlot a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? Consider what this type of sin does to your relations and to the testimony of Christ in the world. Romans 6.23, we are told the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So finally, a cautionary tale of Solomon. If we could turn back to 1 Kings 11. Eleven one through 8. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father, David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, And did not fully follow the Lord, as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives, who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Forgetting his own wisdom... From Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So I would ask you, are you in the word every day? Do you daily pray to God and to the Holy Spirit for help in this? Solomon also said at the end of Ecclesiastes, the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, 
including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So what was this heart of David that was so different than Solomon's? We're doing good on time, so you're going to get the whole chapter 51 of Psalms. And then we'll conclude. Have mercy upon me, O God. Let me start back. A psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone to Bathsheba. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, And uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart, a broken and contrite spirit. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for illumining your word. We pray that we would carry it with us throughout this day, this day of rest, your holy day. But Lord, that we would not forsake it the other six days of the week and that we would shine as lights in darkness. Amen.